0: This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. Linda Cohen here with you. Recent research suggests that one third of undergraduate students nationwide misuse or are at risk for misusing stimulants, such as the commonly prescribed ADHD medication Adderall. Here to help us understand a new program designed to reduce misuse prevalence is Dr. Kevin Anschel. He's an associate professor of psychiatry at Upstate Medical University and Uh, Of psychology at Syracuse University. Welcome, Dr. Angell. Thank you so much for coming in.
1: I appreciate the opportunity to come and speak about this important topic.
0: So college students, I guess, it is an important topic. It looks like a fair number of college students, one-third, that's a pretty hefty number, um, of undergraduates are misusing stimulants like Adderall. Help us understand that.
1: Sure, yep. Um, So this is a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, so compared to 20 years ago, um, this issue really didn't exist on college campuses, and so this is something new. And so the one-third figure that you um, that you just cited, um, if you split that in half, it's about 17% are already misusing a stimulant, and about 17% of those. Um, college students are at risk for misusing a stimulant. And so the one-third statistic, is, as you alluded to, it's both uh, those that have already misused and those that are at risk for misusing. Um, And what do we think is behind that um, is academic pressure, uh, um, that the motivation for misusing stimulants is very different than it is for other illegal activities. For example, alcohol for college students, the majority of them is an illegal activity, but they don't do that to help their grade point average. In fact, it usually hurts their grade point average. Um, but we think the motivation for stimulant misuse um, is really quite different than other substances, and it revolves around academic performance enhancement.
0: That's interesting. So it's seen as an academic steroid in some ways.
1: That's exactly how it's referred to.
0: Yeah. So why is access now so easy?
1: Sure. I think I think there probably are two main two main avenues. Number one is stimulant diversion, um, and diversion is related to misuse. Diversion is when a person with ADHD who actually has A prescription for Adderall or for any stimulant, for that matter, diverts the medication. They give it to a friend. They sell it to a friend. Um, And so diversion, uh, we think, explains about half of all the illegal uh, ADHD medications that exist on a college campus.
0: Are there also um, situations where people actually feign the symptoms of having ADHD and maybe... um, inappropriately get it get a, get a prescription, for Sure, example?
1: yep, yep, you're actually reading my mind. That's about 20%, and so the diversion's about 50%. About 20% of illegal ADHD medications were obtained by malingering, is what it's called. And malingering is the conscious faking of symptoms in order to obtain an external incentive.
0: And then those prescriptions, once given, are often just refilled.
1: Yes, they are, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I know there's an attempt to control for that, because it is yep. a controlled substance. Yep. But the truth is, especially when kids go away to college, their local, uh, you know, primary care physician, for example, is in a tough situation in terms of bringing those kids back on a regular basis to Absolutely. check if, in fact, they are truly, you know, ADHD.
1: Absolutely, um, we think that that is a variable that explains or helps to explain why this is more prevalent on college campuses than it is anywhere else uh, in the country.
0: Now, in the beginning, you alluded to the fact. That this is different. This use of Adderall is really different than the use of alcohol, for example. How about other illegal drugs like marijuana or cocaine or those kinds of things? I mean, those recreational kinds of drugs. And maybe you can just kind of underscore the difference.
1: Sure. Yep. Yep. Um, and so the motivation for all the medic, I mean, for all the drugs that you just mentioned is to get a high, or to, or to obtain some type of pleasant uh, physiological. Yeah, to feel good. Um, And the misuse of stimulants is different. Uh, The misuse of stimulants isn't to obtain a high. Um, In fact, you look at the data, less than 5% of people that are misusing stimulants will say they do it for the high. 95% uh, will say they're doing it for academic or perceptions of academic uh, reasons. And so it is really quite different. Um, In terms of the the prevalence rate, thankfully, the misuse of stimulants is uh, is much lower um, than alcohol or marijuana or other things that are occurring on college campuses, um, yet it's increasing in prevalence. And so I think that's the public health uh, story consequence of, this. of it. Yes.
0: Yeah, but um, is it also that um, I mean, when you say it's you know for academic purposes, what does it actually do? Is it the idea that they can stay up later and they can study longer? I mean, is it the idea of taking speed, so to speak?
1: Sure. yep, yep. and so we think there are, Two main mechanisms for uh, the perception, and again, I want to underscore the word perception that it improves your academic. Number one, it allows you to stay up later at night. And number two, it allows you to focus better. Um, And so uh, if you're staying up later at night and you're able to study more, well, we think in in turn that has the potential to help you academically. um, And then also helping you to focus. And so if you have to study for your organic chemistry and it's hard to focus, having improved focus can help. And again, I want to go back to the the perception. And the perception, uh, there's been a number of studies that have administered a stimulant um, and also a placebo. And college students perceive. Uh, the same effects from placebo than they do from the stimulants. And so we think a lot of this is expectations.
0: That's very interesting because we've, I know there's been a lot of stuff recently looked at when they started looking at placebo, the so-called placebo effect, and how powerful an effect it is mm-hmm. in terms of the mind-body connection. So in a way that underscores the power of the expectation,
1: absolutely. as
0: opposed to the actual drug,
1: absolutely, it's, it's
0: very strong, and that probably carries over to many circumstances and many drugs as well. Certainly. So, who's most at risk? I mean, is it the kid who's really trying to kind of, you know, gun for the A's and A pluses? Um, are are there kids who are still? Are there kids who actually really have ADHD issues, or the ones who are just pretending or feigning it?
1: Sure. Yep. Yep. Uh, if you look at uh, the national data on who is most at risk. Caucasians are most at risk. Individuals that are in a Greek organization, so a fraternity or a sorority, are most at risk. And also individuals uh, that procrastinate, individuals uh, that will say they have very poor study habits, uh, they wait to the last moment to start projects, et cetera. And so those three things Caucasians, members in a Greek organization, and procrastinators you put those three things together, and that Produces um, at least a risk profile.
0: That's very interesting, though, about the Greek organization. One suggests to me that perhaps that's a way that things get distributed.
1: Exactly. Because exactly. of that we close
0: think, relationship yes. and people maybe either living in a house together or that one. That one kind is an thing. access issue. Yes. Access, right. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm Linda Cohen, along with psychologist Dr. Kevin Anschel. We're talking about the misuse of stimulants and a new program that he has to prevent it. So let's. Get some uh, information about this new program. You're trying to reduce this, and um, what exactly have you – what's the mission of your program, first of all?
1: Sure. Yep, yep. At the beginning, I want to uh, let it be known that actually the organization that's, uh, um, that's able to give us the funding or providing us the funding Sponsoring um, it. Yep. is Shire Pharmaceutical, and Shire Pharmaceutical Company is actually the maker of Adderall. Um, and so I really applaud them um, wow. uh, for getting behind this, uh, this effort. Um, and so our effort is primary prevention. Um, primary prevention is something that's delivered to everybody. Um, and so we are targeting um, everyone that's coming uh, to Syracuse University as a freshman. Um, and so this is different than secondary intervention, which we would target only Caucasians or target only people in Greek organizations we really are interested in a primary prevention and the reason we're interested in a primary prevention is we would like this to become part of freshman orientation and so when freshmen at Syracuse University and other college and other colleges across the country go away uh, uh, they have an educational information session on alcohol misuse they have an educational information session on uh, different types of relationship violence. Um, But there isn't anything that's covered in orientation now about stimulants. And so our goal with this project is to develop a primary prevention program um, that then can be used, again, we're talking five, six, seven years down the road, in freshman orientation.
0: So basically, you're developing a kind of a, a prototype. And you're trying to do a, a pilot study? Well, tell us more about it. Sure. So what are you trying to undertake here? Sure.
1: And so the project is in two phases, and we actually just completed the first phase. The first phase uh, was to develop the prevention intervention itself, and also to recruit and train um, what we refer to as a peer interventionist. a peer interventionist are college juniors and seniors. Um, and it's going to be the college juniors and seniors that are actually delivering this intervention to freshmen. And again, it's primary prevention and so we want to catch people right at the front door
0: and it's everyone we're not everyone. singling anyone out
1: not singling anyone out anyone that's a freshman is eligible to participate in this intervention
0: but would they be required i mean is that part of your concept
1: uh i'd say that's a long-range goal is to embed it an orientation that I the see. students have to take right. uh, we're not quite there yet okay uh, um but um so phase one was developing the prevention intervention I'd be happy to talk about what's in it Uh, but phase two is going to be the pilot testing Um, and so we're going to recruit 500 college freshmen and we're going to randomly assign them um, to getting our prevention intervention or to what we're calling uh, treatment in quotes as usual which is essentially there isn't any discussion of stimulant machines. So you have
0: a control group.
1: Yep, Yep and so it's a randomized clinical trial and then we are going to deliver the prevention intervention in the first two weeks of the semester, and then we're not going to have any contact with them until the end of the semester. And the reason we're targeting the end of the semester is what we know about the stimulants is they tend to be misused during exam time. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to be contacting them again at the end of the semester during exam week and asking them to complete a questionnaire, have you misused the stimulant. And our hypothesis, and what we're hoping for, is that the prevention intervention will lead to lower levels of stimulant misuse than the folks who don't get anything.
0: I see. So you'll be looking again against that control where mm-hmm. nothing really was done, and then you can see whether there's been that reduction. So, what's involved in the prevention intervention? In other words, there are there are two behavioral interventions that you're using. Can you explain? Well, there
1: are uh, two different theories are helping to guide our prevention intervention the prevention intervention is meant to be brief and so it's an hour and 15 minutes um so this isn't a four hour lecture nope nope it's going to be delivered in groups um it's going to be delivered in groups of four to five not large groups uh, but small groups and uh, the peer interventionist is going to be delivering uh the intervention based upon two theories one is called motivational interviewing the other is called cognitive behavioral therapy
0: cbt which is pretty well known as a technique for doing therapy yep
1: Yep, and so motivational interviewing is designed um, to reduce uh, people doing the opposite of what you want them to do, uh, which is referred to as reactants. And so if you tell someone that they have to do something, they're less likely to do it. And so we're training our peer interventionists on how to emphasize autonomy. So, for example, they tell the freshman, I've got some ideas, then it's completely up to you as if you use these ideas. That's going to be much better than, okay, I've got some ideas and you have to use them.
0: So the idea is that you're really trying to get the freshmen to buy in and Absolutely. sense have a sense of their own agency in this whole thing and that they are making the decision and they're making the choice.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and so that's I mean, that's another reason why we're using upperclassmen as, as compared to an old guy like me right. coming in and telling them we're going to use People that are three years older than them is going to be delivering them. Mm -hmm. And then the cognitive behavioral therapy, the the CBT part of it, uh, we're actually taking adults' ADHD interventions. And so we're going to be teaching them organization skills, procrastination reduction skills. Um, And again, that's really based upon the data suggesting procrastinators are at risk for misusing and so we're hoping to equip them with some skills that will reduce the likelihood of them misusing.
0: Well I think that's very very exciting. So you're getting the pilot going. It's going currently. It will be going towards the end of a semester. Uh,
1: it'll be beginning late January.
0: Wonderful. What's the timeline really quick before we run out of sure, time? Sure.
1: Sure. And so we're going to be running uh this for three consecutive semesters. So we're going to do spring of 2017 all the way uh, to spring of 2018.
0: And the hope would be that following this you'd be able to publish or what have you and perhaps make this a prototype for not just Syracuse University freshman orientation but this could be something that could be used throughout the country as a a prototype.
1: Yes, that's the goal. We definitely have bigger aspirations than just helping students here.
0: Well obviously the problem exists all over and it Mm. sounds like a very, very, very well thought out program. I really Applaud you for it. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming in and, and sharing it with us and telling us about the sponsorship and everything. My guest has been Dr. Kevin Anschel. He's Associate Professor of Psychiatry at Upstate Medical University and of Psychology at Syracuse University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.